Welcome to your Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic Drive Time. Now here's your host, Joe McClain. Christus vincit, Christus regnat, Christus imperat. Good morning, everybody. It's Thursday, March the 17th. It's St. Patrick's Day. Hope you're uh, enjoying the festivities. Well, maybe not. It's too early yet, right? But maybe you have plans to do that. That might be fun. Keep in mind, though, that uh, St. Patrick's Day is not a day just to go out and get blitzed. Think about the saint, the great saint that went to Ireland, shared the gospel everywhere he could. Incredible saint. Look into him. Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. How is your Lenten uh, plan going? Have you kept strong, submitting your will to your intellect and turning away from being tempted? At 35 past the hour, we have a harrowing interview with Gabriel Castillo in which he recounts his conversion story, and you don't want to miss it. There's a really interesting story in there. He describes being, well, there's no way to... There's no way to uh, sugarcoat it, but he was choked by a demon. And he recounts how Our Lady saved him. Really interesting story. You don't want to miss it. That's 35 past the hour. And at 15 past the hour, Jordan and I will attempt to tackle the issue of cancel culture and the media's emotional manipulation of the war. Plus the saint and gospel of the day and much, much more. And in the second hour... You can join us, if you can join us, we will play our, our game show, Fear and Trembling and Prizes Are at Stake. So here's what happened while you were sleeping. The latest is that Congress is sending $800 million to Ukraine as a security package. And Russia says compromise with Ukraine is very close. We'll discuss that a little bit more in the breaking news segment. And uh, here's another thing that might be of interest to you. Daylight savings time may be permanent now, so you don't have to worry about changing your clock ever again. In fact, that was the reason why we lost our uh, our interview on Monday. It's because we didn't account for daylight savings time. Some countries don't, don't have that. Can you believe that? <laughs> uh, and another really interesting story. Do you remember a few weeks ago I discussed a couple who were caught trying to sell nuclear secrets? Well, there's been a new development, so stay tuned for the breaking news segment. And uh, I'm joined here by Jordan, as I mentioned. Good morning, Jordan. Oh, Jordan can't hear me. One second. Let me troubleshoot here. I'm not sure what is going on here. Jordan can't hear me. Well, I'll have to figure that out in a few minutes here. Um, so let's see here. I want to thank the CDT Lenten campaign participants we have been participating in this Lenten campaign for, uh, let's see, how many days now? A couple days now, a couple, couple weeks now. And today I want to thank Colin McManaman. Ah, I'm sorry, Colin. Colin McManaman. McManaman. Apologize for butchering your name, brother. Appreciate you for generously offering to fast and pray for the most ardent blasphemers and heretics, the ones who really need our prayers for their conversion. I, uh, I will tell you, you know, back in my day, back when I was younger, a younger guy than I am now, I'm not that old. <laughs> you know, the language that I was using was very foul. It was, it was very, 
unbefitting of a Catholic gentleman. And among those things were blasphemies. It was something that was drilled into me. It was something that I picked up from the culture. And, um, and that was something that I needed to shed. And I know for a fact that there's a lot of people who still do this, who still commit these blasphemies. And we're committing to pray this whole Lenten campaign for the reparation of heretics and blasphemers. So I want to I want to thank again Colin. Thank you so much for for taking today to fast and pray for those most ardent sinners, the most ardent hardened souls. Uh, let's see here. If you'd like to join us on our email list, we send out an email every week, and it's not a crazy email. It's just you know a kind of a recap of the week, what's to come, and that sort of thing. If you're interested in that, and you haven't signed up yet. Go to grnonline.com/cdt. Or you can pull out your phone and text GRN to 42828. GRN to 42828. 42828. Hope you're not doing that while you're driving, but uh, when you pull over, text GRN to 42828. All right, let's jump into it. We're going to pray the golden arrow. This is part of our Lenten campaign here. And we're going to begin in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. Amen. May the most holy, most sacred, most adorable, most incomprehensible and unutterable name of God be always praised, blessed, loved, adored, and glorified in heaven, on earth, and under the earth by all the creatures of God and by the most sacred heart of our Lord Jesus Christ in the most holy sacrament of the altar. Amen. Now, let's jump into your breaking news this morning. Good morning. Thanks for tuning in to Catholic Drive Time. Today is, thir- is Thursday, March 17th, and these are your headline news this morning. The Hill reports Zelensky invokes 9-11 to pressing, in pressing Congress for help. Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky on Wednesday implored the U.S. and its allies to close the sky over Ukraine, invoking Pearl Harbor in 9-11 and showing graphic images of the destruction and death wrought by Russia's attack on Ukraine. He says, I'm addressing President Biden. You are the leader of the nation, your nation. I wish you to be the leader of the world. Being the leader of the world means to be the leader of peace, Zelensky said. Not sure how that accounts to peace if you close airspace. And the Daily Wire reports Biden announces new $800 million security assistance package for Ukraine. Following President Vladimir Zelensky's speech to U.S. Congress on Wednesday morning, President Joe Biden announced an additional $800 million in security assistance to Ukraine bringing the total U.S. security assistance uh, committed to Ukraine to $1 billion in just the past week and a total of $2 billion since the start of the Biden administration. The package includes a slew of military equipment and weaponry. And Reuters reports, Russia says parts of Ukraine compromise deal are close. Russia said on Wednesday that some parts of a possible peace deal with Ukraine were close to being agreed with after Kiev agreed to discuss neutrality. Lavrov said key issues included the security of people in Donetsk and Lugansk, the demilitarization of Ukraine, and the rights of Russian-speaking people in Ukraine. And the Washington Examiner reports, Brazil revealed as country to which spy couple tried to sell nuclear secrets to. The potential client country to which a Maryland couple attempted to sell U.S. nuclear submarine secrets has been revealed in a new report. Prosecutors kept the identity of the country under wraps for months, but a report Tuesday from the New York Times disclosed Brazil as a nation at the center of the case, and unfortunately for the duo, Brasilia went straight to the FBI after it was approached. The duo pleaded guilty to espionage charges last month, 
The husband faces up to 17 years in prison, with the wife facing up to three, the Justice Department announced last October. And those are your headline news this morning. God love you. Coming up next, we have the uh, gospel and the saint of the day with Adrian and uh, with a pre-recorded gospel from Joe McLean. The saint of the day is St. Ambrose of Alexandria. Ambrose of Alexandria was born before 212 AD and was a friend of the Christian theologian Origen. Ambrose was attracted by Origen's fame as a teacher and visited the Catechetical School of Alexandria in 212. At first a Gnostic Valenician and Marsonist, Ambrose, through Origen's teachings, eventually rejected this theology and became Origen's constant companion, and he was ordained deacon. He plied Origen with questions and urged him to write his commentaries on the books of the Bible. And as a wealthy nobleman and courtier, he provided his teacher with books for his studies and secretaries to lighten the labor of composition. He suffered during the persecution under the Roman emperor Maximus Thrax in 235, and he was later released and died a confessor. The last mention of Ambrose in the historical record is in Origen's Contra Celsum, which the latter wrote as a, at the, solicita- the solicitation of Ambrose. I promise I can speak. Origen often speaks of Ambrose affectionately as a man of education with excellent literary and scholarly taste. All of Origen's works written after 218 are dedicated to Ambrose, including his On Martyrdom, Contra Celsum, Commentary on St. John's Gospel, and On Prayer. Ambrose's letters to Origen, praised by Jerome, are lost, although parts of one still exist. St. Ambrose of Alexandria, pray for us. Praise be to God in all things. The gospel today comes to us from Luke chapter 16, verses 19 through 31. Jesus said to the Pharisees, There was a rich man who dressed in purple garments and fine linen and dined sumptuously each day. And lying at his door was a poor man named Lazarus, covered with sores, who would gladly have eaten his fill of the scraps that fell from the rich man's table. Dogs even used to come and lick his sores. When the poor man died, he was carried away by angels to the bosom of Abraham. 
the rich man also died and was buried, and from the netherworld, where he was in torment, he raised his eyes and saw Abraham far off and Lazarus at his side. He cried out, Father Abraham, have pity on me. Send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am suffering torment in these flames. Abraham replied, My child, remember that you received what was good during your lifetime, while Lazarus likewise received what was bad. But now he is comforted here, whereas you are tormented. Moreover, between us and you, a great chasm is established to prevent anyone from crossing who might wish to go from our side to yours or from your side to ours. He said, Then I beg you, Father, send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, so that, they may that he may warn them, lest they too come to this place of torment. But Abraham replied, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. He said, Oh no, Father Abraham, but if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. Then Abraham said, If they will not listen to Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded if someone should rise from the dead. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. St. Gregory the Great said, The hearts of the wicked are sometimes by their own punishment taught the exercise of charity, but in vain, so that they indeed have an especial love to their own, who, while attached to their sins, did not love themselves. Close quote, Gregory the Great, pray for us. What does he mean? Well, if you're going to live in sin, attached to your worldly desires, your disordered passions, well, you're going to learn the, the, this gift to this lesson of charity the hard way, the wrong way, because your attachments will put you in torment, right? Well, if a person comes back from the dead, would that convince us? Haydock commented on this a lot today. It was fascinating. St. Chrysostom replied, they would say that the dead man was a phantom, that his resurrection was not real, his assertions nugatory. I mean, after all, the actual real Lazarus did die in the tomb for four days, caused quite a stench when they removed the stone, and our Lord raised him, and what happened? The Jews tried to kill him. The Pharisees plotted to kill him. Were they converted by this witness from the dead? No, they were not converted. They tried to go the other way. And then when Christ came out of the tomb, what happened? They spread lies and rumors that the apostles stole away the body. We have been given the revelation. We have been told by, by Moses, the prophets, and the church herself. It's time to listen. Let's listen. We'll be right back. It's often said that people can engage in whatever sexual activity they please as long as it doesn't harm anyone. But is this a sufficient moral criterion for evaluating sexual behavior? I don't think so, and here's why. First, it begs the question against the natural law moral theory. Since if the natural law approach is true, then sexual acts that the natural law condemns as immoral would be harmful to a person's moral character. Second, although it's true that we should avoid inflicting unnecessary harm, it can't be our only moral criterion. For if it were, then we'd have to say a person's intent to murder or rape someone is morally permissible as long as he doesn't carry it out. But that's absurd. Avoiding unnecessary harm is a part of a good moral theory, but it's not enough. I'm Carlo Broussard with the ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com.
Catholic radio was there for me when I needed it. Even though I didn't think I needed it, it was there for me. I want everybody to know that I'm giving, not so that I can sit there and say that I gave to GRN. It's for any other reason but this. I want that radio station to be there for anyone else who needs it also. They may not think they need it, but it's going to be there for them, whether it's in the future, whether it's right now. I want that radio station to always be there for them, just like it was there for me. The Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. I can't. Ooh, I can't hear you. Uh-oh. Oh. <laughs> Praise be to Jesus Christ. There we yeah. go. I Hello. apologize, people. You know, trial by fire here over at the GRN studio, and a lot of <laughs> stuff went wrong this morning. But he, praise be to God, we're here and we're on air. We're we're putting out Catholic radio, so that's we'll incredible. We'll do it live. We'll do it live. <laughs> Jordan, good morning to you. How are you doing? Oh, hello, my good brother. It's good to see you this morning. It's cold here in Colorado, by the way. It's snowing. Oh, it's snowing. Wow. This Incredible. is the lovely fickleness of our weather. It's 70 degrees two days ago, and now not. Hey, man, I don't want to hear it. Here in Houston, it's it, the weather's bipolar, as I like to say. <laughs> I think they're sister weathers, my dude. I think they're sister weathers. <laughs> it could be. It could be. Well, thank you for bearing with me this morning. We have now arrived to the What's Concerning Us segment here today. And I want to read you this article from Breitbart. And uh, the headline is Nolte, Wimbledon to blacklist Russian tennis player unless he denounces Putin. This is a uh, an article that reflects a lot of news that you may not have heard. Uh, there's all kinds of accounts. I actually have four articles up right now of mm-hmm. similar accounts here of people being – it's almost like a neo-McCarthyism as Breitbart reports here. Um, there's a, a, a desire for the media for, for you to take an emotional side in this conflict even though you may not even know anything about Ukraine or Russia or anything like that. But – the the media is putting people against each other so much so that people you know people will say like uh, you know poutine the 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 uh, you know French fries with gravy on top from from uh, from Canada like that's too similar to being to sounding like Putin so you have to get rid of it and there's this russophobia that's taking over our country right now and it's well we got to ask ourselves who is who is really behind all of this? Who is making us? Who's pitting us against all of these people? So I'm going to I'm going to read a little bit of this article here. It starts with the neo-McCarthyism against Russian civilian marches on with the news that tennis player Daniil Med Medvenev, Medvedev will be blacklisted from Wimbledon unless he denounces Vladimir Putin. Daniil Medve, Medvedev, the world's number one tennis player could face a ban from Wimbledon unless he proves public assurances that he is not a supporter of President Putin. Nigel Huddleston, the sports minister, told a hearing of the Digital Culture and Media and Sports Select Committee today that the government would only allow individual athletes from Russia or Belarus to compete in events in the UK if they received assurances that the individual was not linked to the Russian or Belarusian states or their leaders. The tournament, which is scheduled to launch on June 27th, has already barred the entries of Russia and Belarus from competing. However, athletes from those countries can still compete as neutral individuals, but only if they publicly denounce Putin. And I want to pause here. There, this is this, you know, this response. I want to say from from this uh, sports minister 
is assuming that the the individual person had something to do with the the invasion of Ukraine. And that's something that we need to differentiate. We need to define the lines here. Uh, this this person and the people from Russia, how much control did they have over their government going into into Ukraine? That that is something that I I, I would like for us to consider this morning. Jordan, what do you think? Whew. Okay, so I think let's first start by taking just a step back because if we, because I, I know that there are people whose natural their their gut reaction and perhaps it's completely justified, perhaps it's, it's completely right, is to go well, good. Um, you should denounce uh, Vladimir Putin and you should denounce everything about this, this Russian invasion into Ukraine. And if you don't, you're actually part of the problem. And I would say that what that kind of knee jerk reaction, yes, it's Neil McCarthyism, it's, it's cancel culture, sure it is. But I think it just represents this, this weird keyboard warrior sense of, of Western civilization currently. Um, if you recall 2016 to 2020, I mean, how many, especially conservatives, people are like, oh, well, you have to, you have to denounce Donald Trump, right? Because surely this is the worst thing that ever happened. And, oh, right. well, and you sit there and you go, you know, if you're not informed on the issue or something like that, then why would you expect an athlete to do this? Um, and then, of course, my, my second reaction is if this is, if this is acceptable, let's say, people say, okay, no, no, it's fine. Like, he needs to do this It's because it's, obviously we love politics and athletics mixing like this. We just got done with the Beijing Olympics. Did we expect every Chinese um, athlete, even the ones from America that played for China or were represented China, do we expect them to denounce the forced abortion, forced sterilization, the internment camps of peoples in China? Or have we just swept that one under the rug? Do we expect apologies for, uh, do other countries expect apologies for American athletes when we talk about Libya, Syria, Iraq, Yemen, Bosnia, Serbia, Herzegovina, right? Um, so I think it's just kind of a deadly spiral. I don't expect that, um, I don't expect that this player, um, is probably really influencing the Russian government. I don't know what his politics are. And I really, I don't care. I wouldn't watch Wimbledon for, for his, his political intrigue, just like I wouldn't watch basketball for LeBron James's political intrigue <laughs> or, 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 or Colin Kaepernick's political intrigue or something like this. Right. That's uh, such so, a good point, Jordan. You know, uh, there's there seems to be even, um, you know, uh, for some people might be surprised that I would say this. But, you know, even in video games, which I enjoy from time to time, there's a, a slow creep and now a, really a, a flood of politics being infused into just anything, anything recreational. You know, nobody watches Wimbledon to get like some sort of political take from this sort of thing. I, I'm glad that you brought that up. And it seems to me that there's a trend now in the news. There's almost another war that's being waged that no one's talking about, and it's the war for our emotions. Mm -hmm. you know, yeah, we have seen – Go ahead. We, we are in the midst of – and it's been happening for two years. So people – this isn't coming out of that field, but we are in the midst of one of the greatest propaganda psyops in, in – probably in – certainly in American history. I mean it's just absolutely incredible. And – I understand that, you know, there's obviously great violence, destruction, death, and, and probably uh, evil, right, that's happening in Ukraine. I, I've always said that it's bad when, when two Christian peoples go to war against each other. That's, that's just bad blood regardless. Mm -hmm. But if you take a step back and we kind of look at the situation, at the very least, it seems like we have this knee-jerk reaction over here across the sea where we're not going to send ourselves into harm's way. So what we're going to do instead is, is some people are going to denounce to the point of disentry of people based on their nationality. 
that's a message that we in the enlightened liberal democracy of the West really want to send. I mean, how is that not how is that not some sort of hypocrisy as well? Yeah, that's so true. And, you know, I think about this particular issue here of the Russia versus Ukraine situation. And again, you know, we have to make we have to define our terms, right? We we aren't saying that Russia is right. We're not saying Ukraine is right. We we stand with the people as Joe McLean has has mentioned before. But it's odd to hear, you know, things in the news somewhat conflicting. You know, for for instance, we've heard for the last week now that Ukraine is really, you know, they're in it, they're going to win and everything's great. Well, does that make sense to you when you when you see that President Zelensky was begging for aid? Does that sound like a country that's that's winning a battle? There is, you know, it's like if you just listen to the mainstream media, and I don't know why after two years you would still think that these people tell the truth. I mean, that's why with all with all great awesomeness, like, you know, this is why people listen to Catholic Drive Time or or people go to podcasts or go to someplace else because alternative media is exploding and that's worth a worth a look. But, you know, it's like suddenly we act like everything that they are saying coming out of this region is true and everything every anal- anal- analysis on on vladimir putin or on uh vladimir zelensky is true as well and how much misinformation even in in only 21 days of this war have we just been utterly bombarded with they lied about the ghost of kiev they lied about sunflower they lied about zelensky in the trenches right they lied about uh putin just having his buttons on on the nuke they lied about the the emphasis of of the, the Russian kind of cauldron tactic. And so now we somehow live in this catch 22 where again, like if you listen to the mainstream media, um, Putin's evil, there's nothing redemptible. There's nothing worth even exploring outside of a Hitlerian comparison, just like with Trump, just like with this or that, uh, just like with COVID. And before you know it, you're just kind of in the spiral of, of, of emotional reaction. I wonder sometimes if the culture, you know, it's often so, what's the term here? Uh, you know, it picks and chooses whatever it thinks it's correct. Mm-hmm. That sometimes, I mean, we're we're getting to the point where, where the culture just wants clarity and they want to paint things as black and white. So Putin bad, Putin completely bad, the whole situation bad. We are good. You know, yeah. it's very interesting to see that that taking place. Um, but here's some more here. Uh, this this article is out of MSNBC, and that's surprising actually that they would even report something like this. But the article says uh, the, the headline is vandalizing anti-war Russian restaurants is Russophobia. And the article starts off with Russian restaurants are being vandalized and swarmed with bad reviews. Concerts featuring Russian musicians and dead Russian composers are being canceled. A dinner has removed the name of the French-Canadian delicacy poutine, as I mentioned, which apparently sounds too much like Putin. And uh, the and uh, from its menu, Russian films are being scrapped by film festivals. And some of the town officials are posing for photo ops, pouring out what they believe to be Russian vodkas. That was another thing that we saw earlier this month is people were pouring out vodka, taking it off the shelves. It's, this, is, this is really unprecedented and a, a, a real grab for your emotional appeal here. Yeah, if there's any saving grace with the vodka pouring out, at least I can say that now people can have a harder Lent, which is good. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but yes, you know what's funny is I remember when people mocked us calling French fries freedom fries because the French essentially didn't follow us into our, our expeditions into the Middle East and uh, and freedom toast and all that kind of stuff. So I thought that we all kind of agreed that that was a bit of a silly gesture, mm-hmm. but apparently we haven't. And this is what I mean again. It's like rules for thee, but not for me. Um, 
again, there are plenty of, you know, these are warfare, international politics. I get it. Like, I'm just a jabroni on the air here. These are terribly complex, you know, issues that you can't change in of yourself. Thus, in the state like that, that's a lot of times the church. But what we can do is we can at least sit back and go, am I being led for a particular sort of narrative? Why should I suddenly be leaving bad reviews on Russian restaurants for, for people who immigrated to this country or people who just want to kind of have a different life apart from their, their national heritage? Um, for a lot of us, this is an important thing as Americans, right? Just to sit back and really reflect upon, especially our own contemporary history. Do we like the direction? Has freedom and democracy, especially the last two years, how's that been working out? Like, you know, like, again, these people shut down the world. This isn't exactly controversial. And all of a sudden, the same people are telling you that there's a particular narrative. You have a you have an obligation to be just a little bit skeptical of that and probably be skeptical if you find yourself acting poorly towards those who, who come from Russia or or have a sort of even a Russian sort of bend or persuasion. Yes, I would like to see, you know, the American people to to actually tune out of the news cycle just a little bit because it's so fast. You know, I report the news every every single day. I don't report it. I actually just tell you what's been reported. But the news cycle moves so fast and that's why we we try and pick out stories that we can, you know, follow up on like this the the couple who tried to sell nuclear secrets. But I just wish we would take a step back from mainstream media take a break and think about what's taken place in the last two years. The amount of monetary aid to Ukraine during during crazy amounts of inflation and Americans had to wait for their stimulus check. And meanwhile, Ukraine gets it in two days. And right. the amount of care that we have for borders outside of the United States, meanwhile, our borders are being infiltrated by thousands and thousands of, of people from Mexico. A country that does not have borders does not have sovereignty. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. How many times have you heard someone talk about how important it is to be progressive? Have you ever asked them what they mean by that? G.K. Chesterton says, Progress is a useless word, for progress takes for granted an already defined direction, and it's exactly about the direction that we disagree. We can't have progress until we've stated what our goal is, and then we can determine whether or not we're moving closer to it or farther from it. The real question is not whether we are progressive, but what is our goal? My goal is to get to heaven and to help others get there too. What's yours? Want Chesterton for more than a minute? Visit our website at chesterton.org. Looking for a Catholic university where the greatest works of Western and Catholic tradition are the foundation for learning, all in an environment that is faithful to the magisterium? Recommended by the Cardinal Newman Society, the University of Dallas offers an exceptional liberal arts education, preserving the wisdom of the past while preparing students for the world-changing futures. Academically excellent, always faithful. Apply today at udallas.edu. Good morning. Thanks for tuning in to Catholic Drive Time. And here are more headlines. Breitbart reports Biden sending billions to protect Ukraine's borders after opposing Trump's $14 billion for U.S. border wall. While sending nearly $14 billion to help Ukraine in its conflict with Russia, Joe, President Joe Biden fiercely opposed a similar amount for a border wall along the United States-Mexico border. 
excuse me, order to stem illegal immigration and drug trafficking. There will not be another foot of wall constructed in my, on my administration, Biden said in August 2020. And the Daily Caller reports, Senate passes legislation to make daylight savings time permanent. The U.S. Senate unanimously passed legislation Tuesday that would make daylight savings time permanent. Florida and 17 other states have already moved to adopt daylight savings time year-round, but cannot do so without congressional approval. It's time to end the antiquated practice of changing our clocks twice a year, which is why I'm leading a letter to Speaker Pelosi calling for immediate consideration of my bill with Senator Rubio, the Sunshine Protection Act. In Reuters reports, Biden to grant temporary deportation relief to Afghans in the United States. The president, the president, uh, president's administ administration will grant temporary deportation relief and work permits to Afghans without permanent legal status, but who are currently in the U.S., a move that could aid those evacuated after last year's U.S. withdrawal from Afghanistan. The designation will be available for those living in the United States by March 15th and will last for about 18 months, the DHS said, although the status could be renewed. And the AP reports, powerful quake off North Japan kills two, more than 90 injured. A powerful 7.4 magnitude earthquake struck off the coast of Fukushima in northern Japan on Wednesday night, smashing furniture, knocking out power, and killing two people. A small tsunami reached the shore, but low-risk advisory was lifted shortly thereafter. Japan's Nuclear Regulation Authority said a fire alarm went off at the turbine building of number 5 reactors at the Fukushima Daiichi, but there was no actual fire. Water pumps for the spent fuel rods... Uh, pool at the four reactors of Fukushima and Daini briefly stopped, but later resumed operation. Coming up next, we have a an interview with Gabriel Castillo. Stay tuned for that. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Joining us right now in studio is Gabriel Castillo. He has a couple of wonderful YouTube channels, Gabby After Hours, True Faith TV, and he's also a youth minister at a parish in Houston, Texas. Praise be to God. Welcome to the program. It's an Gabriel honor Christina. to be here, Joe. As usual, I'm so thankful to be here with you and Adrian in the studio. Amen. Uh, we want to talk to you about your conversion because we yes. know you weren't always an incredible Catholic. Not at all. The worst of the worst, the I think. The worst of the worst. Actually, actually, the best of the worst and the worst of the best. I like to say that. I like that. Can I steal that? That's yes, good, you may. actually. Yes, you may. Um, it, we've been talking about how Our Lady impacts so many souls. Yes. And I think Our Lady has played a, a crucial role in your own journey, and yes. I hope you'll share that with us. A hundred percent. So, I, where would you like me to start? From the beginning? Yeah. In the beginning was the word. In the, the beginning word. was Gabriel. <laughs> in, in the beginning was Gabriel and his mother, and not good practicing Catholics, but we called ourselves Catholics. We went to Mass maybe on Christmas and Easter, maybe. Okay. I didn't make my first Holy Communion until I was in middle school, and I had no—I didn't, I didn't know the structure. I just saw, knew that— Holy Communion was something that kids did, and I had not done that yet. So I asked to make my first Holy Communion. I didn't know any Our Fathers or Hail Marys. They made me learn it, but I, f I didn't memorize it. I didn't learn it really well. Wow. And uh, But I could—the Lord was still—I I had a very spiritual sense. I do recall many times growing up going to, like—my mom had, like, a little—maybe even superstition— um, altar with little saints and a lot of saints and a lot of pictures of Jesus in a Bible. And I do remember a couple of occasions opening the Bible and having a profound sense of the divine all around me, but those moments quickly passed. Mm. And I became mired in sin, as many worldly high school students do. Mm -hmm. um, I was good 
in the eyes of many because I was in honors classes, so I was academically pretty good. Uh, because we didn't have a lot of money, I did not spend a lot of money on drugs and those kind of things, so I was blessed in that way, blessed to be poor. Yeah. And my mom was a good mother. She disciplined me. She made sure that I didn't look too bad um, or didn't get too out of hand. But it wasn't until college I applied to the University of St. Thomas, and because they were the first uh, school to get back to me, and to accept me, and they were giving, I think they gave everybody a presidential scholarship. No offense, no offense if you didn't get one, Adrian. But I feel like they, everybody, everybody I talked to has some sort of well, scholarship. Well, you're easy, there. you're easy, yeah. So, uh, and I had the last name Castillo, so they really liked that. Sorry, sure. Well, sorry again, Fonseca. You didn't get one. Didn't get one. But, uh, so I went there, and I began to take the philosophy and the theology courses, and they really piqued my interest because the Catholic faith is rational and it's reasonable, at least I find, mm -hmm. especially because I always realized how bad I was. So when I would do these bad things, like I said, I had a very spiritual nature. I felt guilty about it. Every once in a while, actually, now that I think about it, I would watch TBN. Have you ever, did you ever watch TBN, the Trinity sure. Broadcasting Network? On occasion, you know, yeah, so back I, in the day. That was like my only religious formation in really? high school. Before baseball games, I would turn on TBN as like a superstitious practice. You checked the card. I, I, I checked it out. I checked out that lady with the pink hair who was very like I remember. people falling over. <laughs> sure. So I, I believed that there was like a higher power. I just had no formation in that. Yeah. And getting that formation at the University of St. Thomas that was reasonable and rational, especially concupiscence, I was, I was a firm believer in trying to figure out why I was so bad and why I couldn't stop these things. And that played a major role in my life. I started to be interested in the sacrament of confirmation as many of the other lukewarm Catholics that were my friends were starting to get confirmed. And having their witness of being bad Catholics getting confirmed made me say, hey, I'm a bad Catholic, too. I barely go to church. I, I barely step foot in that chapel of St. Basil. And so that got me interested. And a young woman, I forget her name now. It's quite unfortunate. That's what happens when you die. People forget about you. A young woman who was in the environmental studies program died, and they had a service for her in the chapel of St. Basil. And that was the first time that I entered the chapel to pray, mm -hmm. uh, and I broke down crying when I went in, not so much because she died or because of the service that was going on, but more that I had a sense that this is, this is something very powerful in here, and I had a very spiritual moment then. So I went through with that confirmation program, their RCIA, which was done by one of the best theologians I'd ever met. His name is Father Daniel Callum, still alive today. Um, he's in his late mid, mid to late 80s brilliant theologian. So my brain was Catholic. My brain was firing on all the cylinders, making the connections, getting super excited about it. But my heart, my heart was far from God. My mm. heart was mired in sin. Uh, yeah, I just was given into the world, the flesh, and the devil. And on one occasion, this is uh, a major turning point for me. On one occasion, because of the confirmation program, we had adoration and I went on the adoration, and I had a profound experience in the Most Holy Eucharist. And that's when the Lord kind of stuck a, a sword in my heart. And before, my brain was all in, but the adoration was like the finger of God. A, a, my first, like, real encounter with the divine in Eucharistic adoration. And my heart just bled. All the, the pain, all the sins of my life just kind of bled out. And I cried for that entire 
uh, adoration. Wow. And uh, I went to my friends and I said, this is real. Like, this is real. I have to change my life. I have to. So I would go to the adoration uh, at the chapel of St. Basil, and I began to live in the chapel. But I did not give up my sins. So I was, I was like the epitome of a hypocrite because I would com- continue to be a public sinner, partying and going and doing all these things. But during the day, I would spend time in the adoration chapel. Was, how would you go to, uh, how would you like actually pray in adoration? Because I know like when I first started going to adoration, the first time I went, it was praise and worship adoration. And then yes. the first time I ever went to a silent adoration, yes. I had no idea what to do. Yes. So like, how did you end up figuring out what to do in adoration? At that, at that retreat, it was a little bit of praise and worshipy. I did not know that it was going to be. So I asked my professor uh, who was also there, I said, hey, how do you do adoration? What is I've never been to adoration. How do you do adoration? And he said, you just look at the Lord. And I said, well, I'm just going to sit there and look at the Lord for an hour. And he <laughs> said, no. Well, I, can I have some steps? And he recommended repeating the holy name of Jesus. And I was like, oh, okay, well, that's a start. So we went in and I repeated the name of Jesus for about 10 minutes. And I began to hear a, a voice kind of saying, hey, stop talking. I have something to say to you. And I thought I was talking to myself, so I just kept repeating the name of Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> and it turned out that I, it was like, I can't, I, it was a little bit of myself, but it was definitely God. And in that moment, I saw like the face of Jesus. And this was before the, the movie The Passion came out. So I saw like a, a divine images flashing before my eyes of the passion that it was all in an instant, too, that I realized, one, that I had, I, I think I'd been given this supernatural gift of understanding or of believing that Jesus was really present. Because after that moment, I lived as if Jesus was really present in the Eucharist. I did not live as if I was going to go to hell because I had sin, but the person of God, the person of love, was in that tabernacle and was in that Eucharist in the monstrance. So I even I even broke up with one of my girlfriends because she was Catholic. Mind you, public sinner doing this. I broke up with her because she was Catholic but she wouldn't go to mass enough or really? she would she wouldn't visit the chapel enough and I would I would get on her I'd say, "You believe in the Eucharist?" Yeah. Then how come you never go? <laughs> but I I was st- like I was the, I was the epitome of the greatest hypocrite. But I, in a way I didn't know. And then that's when I would say the devil saved my life. So for one Lent, because I was now trying to live the Catholic faith, for one Lent I said, okay, Lord, I think I'm going to try to give up mortal sin for Lent. And so I went to confession with that great priest, Father Daniel Callum. I went to confession with him, and I didn't make it two hours before I was back in mortal sin. Not even, maybe it was only an hour. When St. Pope John Paul II added the Luminous Mysteries to the Holy Rosary back around 2002, I found the Transfiguration to be one of the most difficult mysteries for me to meditate on. I knew its story, but didn't know how to relate it to my life. Years later, after dealing with some medical struggles, I realized that to experience the Transfiguration was to grasp a small sense of God's grace in my life a preview of the good things to come. But like the disciples who at the time didn't know what they were witnessing on Mount Tabor, we too need to take in the mysteries of our struggles and our blessings. Because in the end, if we cooperate with God, 
He has a great plan to transfigure us from this mortal state. This is Matt Maloney for KnowTheFaith.net. Howdy, this is Adrian Fonseca, producer of the Catholic Drive Time Show. Heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central and 7 a.m. Eastern, right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. Real Estate for Life connects home buyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations, offering their clients a faith-based experience. They are online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. God love you. This is fun. This is life. This is what I've been raised on, what's important. But I actually genuinely tried to be good, and I couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. And so I had true contrition. I cried that night uh, shortly after realizing how uh, much of a failure I was. <laughs> I cried very profound tears of sorrow. And when I was expressing my contrition to God, I heard the voice that I, I believe was a demon, and I heard it audibly with my ears. So I said something to the effect of, God, I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. I'm, I'm truly sorry. And then I audibly heard uh, a scary voice mocking me, and I can't make the, the sound, but it, it, it was very high-pitched and very graspily saying, Oh, God, I'm sorry. I can't even get my voice to that pitch to, wow. to reenact it. And so I was immediately... Uh, struck with fear, and almost as if in, as in an instinct, my brain, and I think I'm now looking back on I think it was my guardian angel, thought to think of St. John Vianney. So I said, St. John Vianney, pray for me. I did not know anything about the life of St. John Vianney. I knew he was a saint. Now looking back on that, I think that thought obviously had to come in from my guardian angel simply because now that I know the life of John Vianney and his battle with the demon, yeah. uh, immediately that scary voice went away. And I had been given a rosary by a great professor, the same professor who taught me how to adore the Lord, or at least gave me some tips. And I had not prayed it. Let's go back real quick yes. before you go on. And the your professor, which I'll just tell everybody, is yes. Dr. Dr. Rebar. Yeah, uh, we have had him on our show yes. a while ago, a long yes. time ago. We have to have him back. And uh, so... What happened? How? Why did he give you a rosary randomly? I mean, I no I've idea. had him in a class for years, and he's I've never seen him give someone a rosary uh, before. So. I don't know. Well, I, I think maybe he saw me going through the RCIA program, and this was in the middle of the RCIA that he actually gave it to me. And, uh, it, I, and I actually found it because I was like, what happened to that rosary? And I found it last night when I was cleaning up, uh, preparing for a move, and I like held it, and I was like, ah, this is where it all started. So I don't know what, why he gave it to me. I was having a very bad time in life, but he didn't know that, and I didn't think anybody knew that. And to my surprise, he, after class, he's like, Gabriel, stay and talk to me. And I was like, oh, I'm in trouble Ouch. again. And, uh, <laughs> what have you done? That's what I thought. I was doing everything wrong at that point. And he had a handful of wooden beads, and he said that he had gotten it uh, at a general audience and had it blessed by Pope John Paul II. So that, that night after I had that first diabolical manifestation— uh, I was afraid to be in my room, despite the fact that my mom, I was, I was at my mom's house. Or, yeah, my mom's house. So I was in my bedroom, and I got this pamphlet on how to pray the rosary. And so I was sitting on my bed, at the edge of my bed, and I looked at it, and I said, okay, how do you do this? In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. 
I believe. And the moment I said the words, I believe, I felt a force not only just grab me by the throat, but slam my entire person down on the bed. And it felt as if I was being pinned down and being choked. I recall being able to breathe and having a sudden panic and trying to scream out for my mom to, 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 to come and help me, but I couldn't get the words out. So it was just like I was gasping. And again, I think it was my guardian angel now looking back on it. I heard or felt the enlightenment, a little spark in my mind to pray the Hail Mary. And I couldn't. I tried to get the words out, and I couldn't. And then, again, the spark was like, or the light, the illumination was like, say it internally. Say it in your mind. So I got the first, the, the words Hail Mary out in my mind, and I felt a little bit of relief. And I was able to say the words with my lips, Hail Mary. And once I said those words, instantaneously, everything in the room was back to normal. Whereas it felt like everything was spinning, and I was, you know, spiraling out of control, in that instant, everything was normal and calm and peaceful, and I was freaked out beyond belief. I can imagine. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, it was one of the greatest things that ever happened to me. Praise and, be to and God. I, and I've meditated a lot upon that, but what happened immediately was that I wanted to find out what was going on, because I had a sense that I had always had this demon. Well, obviously, if I, the first time I'm actually really, truly trying to stop you know, my habitual sins and I can't. And I, I, I automatically understood that I had had this demon for a very, very long time, that this is something that I must've had since I was in middle school or in high school. And I just never tried to, to be good. Um, and I think looking back on it, him or it noticing that I had true contrition that I was going to turn to Our Lady, that his grip on my life was starting to loosen, mm. that he must have been uh, desperate. And and I always like to say that the devil is Mary's monkey. So yeah. Our Lady probably <laughs> let him off the leash just for a little bit to, to frighten me into religious zealotry. Amen. Because, Praise be to God. <laughs> because immediately what happened after that, there was this great website. I don't think it exists anymore, but it's called the Padre Pio Center for Deliverance. Oh, and wow. They had, and it was, I think it was, I don't know who put it together, but it was extraordinarily well done, where they explained all sorts of diabolical manifestations and how there are various things that are hooks. So intrinsically disordered objects like pornography, like um, contraceptive pills, like bad bad posters, like New Age books or Buddha statues, statues of false gods. So on their website, they're saying these are all entry points of the devil. If you have these things in your home, whether they be cursed or not, because they are intrinsically disordered, they're, they are intrinsically antichrist. Statues of false gods are antichrist, whether they're the antichrist, of course, uh, that's up for debate. But these things are entry points for the devil. If you're trying to be liberated from a demon— you must get rid of all of these things, renounce sin, go to confession, surround yourself with holy things. If, you're, if your house is infested, you got to put holy pictures up. You have to have religious music playing in the air because the demons are demons of the air. And at that time, I was listening to all the worldly music. I had all the Eminem and Snoop Dogg and all that kind of stuff. And so I, within 24 hours, trashed 
everything. And wow. I love my mom. She always Praise gets be to God. she always gets offended when I talk about this. She she was doing the best she could at the time. Sure. She had no formation of her own. She's like, You always you always bring me down when you tell your conversion. I was like, It's part of the story. Part of the and, story. And and I should say now, my mom is an extraordinary she does a daily holy hour. She's extraordinarily holy. Uh, but it's just it's just part of our journey. So she had New Age books. She had Buddha statues. She had African statues. She had all. She she had because uh, in the Hispanic community, she's a Hispanic. They believe in you know these witches and healers and tarot cards and palm sure. readers. So we had all, yeah we had all of that stuff in our history. My mom would bring these people to our house. Oh wow! We, yeah we, yeah she was friends with people who could read your no tea leaves. No wonder you were being harassed by a demon. Yeah I, I yeah this is, goes back to my childhood. Yeah. So not the mortal sin and uh, activity in the occult. Uh, so after wide that, open door. Wide open door. It's not an open door. It's it's a entry. Enter here. We are open for business sign. <laughs> so right. I got rid of everything. I smashed my mom's Buddha statues. I got her statues, <laughs> broke them in the street. I wow. burned her books. I ripped them to shreds. She so must not have been happy for, about you. We had a major fight. Is an understatement when she got home that day from really? work. Oh, she, she was ready to literally kill me. Wow. Literally kill me. And there was a great uh, nun at uh, University of St. Thomas at the time, Sister Madeline Grace, because I was, I was uh, well, thinking, well, maybe I'm being disobedient. These things belong to my mom. I'm destroying her stuff. And I, I, the morality on destroying other people's evil, according to Aquinas, is still out. But Sister <laughs> Madeline Grace had my back. <laughs> so uh, You know the story of uh, Abraham, right? What is you that? Know, Tell Abraham me. was, he was... According to to the uh, to tradition, it's not in the in scripture, but in tradition, the uh, Abraham, whenever his his father was an idol maker, so oh, he built and, wow. and created idols. And so one day, his dad was going on a journey, and at this point, Abraham is already a monotheist. He believes mm-hmm. in the one true God. And as Abraham is gone, he comes in with a with a bat and destroys all the idols in the wow. room <laughs> except for the biggest one, and puts the uh, the stick into the hand of the biggest one. And when his dad comes home, he sees everything destroyed and he sees the giant statue with the with the stick in his hand and he turns to Abraham and starts yelling at him for destroying his statues. And he goes, "What do you mean it was him?" Wow. And he was like, "What do you what do you mean it's him? He can't That's do great. it. He's just an idol." He goes, "Exactly." Oh, exactly. very good. And so and so so there you go. A example yes. of someone destroying uh, their parents' idols. Well, Yes, my mom and I got into major battles, but it was, for me, like I said, one of the best things that ever happened to me. Because I was partially afraid and partially, for good reason, afraid, I would have EWTN. Back in the day, back in the early 2000s, EWTN had an extraordinary audio library. I remember. In my own conversion process, I discovered this audio library, and I downloaded tons of content, burned them onto CDs, and I had entire books full of these cases full of these uh, CDs that I burnt from their library. It was a gold mine. My favorite stuff was the... The Lives of the Saints by Bob and Penny Lord. Sure. I, I just consumed the lives of the saints. Yeah. And because their lives were so uh, extraordinary, I thought that was ordinary. Yeah. So it, it opened and expanded my mind to the possibilities of what God could do. Mm-hmm. And so it gave me uh, a, a fire in my chest. They say that only somebody who's hot can spread 
fire to another person. Yeah. And so I was hanging out with the hottest of, of people, the saints of God. And so that played a tremendous role in my life. And as I began to now root out sin and live in the, the chapel of St. Basil, mm-hmm. uh, I began to hear the voice of God more clearly, at least what I believe to be the voice of God more clearly, and to guide me and to give me direction. And I was originally studying math and engineering, and my grades in math and engineering were worse than bad, and my grades in theology all of a sudden began to explode. But it was more so not that I was studying any differently, I don't think, but because I was living a holier life, theology, it was more of a lived theology, and I was able to make connections, and all the EWTN and all the Mitch Pacwa and all yeah. this stuff was coming into my brain. And so I had no other, no other option than to become a religious educator, <laughs> simply because I was doing so badly in school. Sure. So I like to say that God set me up with all my failures, but I had right no other time. option. Yeah, perfect at the right. When that happened to me, I had already gone through school, and it was yeah. kind of too late at that yeah. point to to retread and, to pivot. and find yeah. another way. So uh, praise be to God that he's got you on this journey. Yes, yeah, so that led me to, to give my life to God and say, all right, Lord, Religious education seems, but I, I'm a smart person. I could do anything. I was, I think that I stuck in the way I could. I think it's a Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. Hey, Donnie, who were the first two people God created? Adam and Eve. There you go. And what did we inherit from them? Original sin. As parents, we're the primary educators of our Catholic faith to our children. And if you don't know your Catholic faith as well as you should, that's okay. Just tune in daily to the Guadalupe Radio Network by logging online to grnonline.com. The Guadalupe Radio Network. Listen, learn, love, and pass it on. If we are what we eat, do we really want to supersize it? One Minute Monk, Abbot Placid Solari of Belmont Abbey. In St. Benedict's Rule, a guide he wrote for living in monastic communities, he writes that the need for sustenance varies from person to person and with different times and different activities. Living by the rule, Benedictine monks watch both what we eat and when we eat. The goal is not to burden our bodies by taking as much as we can get, but to feed them just enough to build our bodies up for the task we have been given in life. In our lives of overabundance, St. Benedict's rule for moderation in food and drink is especially relevant. For your free copy of the Rule of St. Benedict, visit OneMinuteMonk.com. O-N-E, MinuteMonk.com. Next time you're tempted to supersize it, think about where God has placed you in life and right-size it.
Your odyssey begins at the University of Dallas, the premier Catholic liberal arts university in Texas. With campuses in Irving and Italy, UD's rigorous core curriculum sets it apart. An education rooted in the great works of Catholic and Western tradition. An education that ennobles and enables students in their pursuit of wisdom, truth, and virtue. Undergraduate, graduate, and certificate programs available. Start your college odyssey at the University of Dallas today. Go to udallas.edu to learn more. Welcome to your Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God, we ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious, it's fun, it's your Catholic Drive Time. Now here's your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to God, good morning, this is Rudy Carlos. I am filling in for Joe McClain. I'm joined here by my good friend, Jordan Pacheco. This is the official day this is the day the lord has made where the glad trats have taken over catholic drive time good morning to you <laughs> good morning to you jordan well hello good fellow glad Trat and brother <laughs> we're, back. <laughs> we're back wow that was an incredible interview it really was and gabe yeah. is just a really awesome guy I've, I've only met him once but the first time i met him i told adrian i said you know, there are instances where you meet people and you can just, you can tell that the Holy Ghost is with that person. The Holy Ghost is moving through that person. They're doing incredible things. I highly suggest you check out his YouTube channel. I believe it's called Gobby After Hours. G-A-B-I After Hours. It. It's uh, fantastic. Good content. Really well produced too. That's something that I hope we can get to at, a, at you know, in the future, near future. Uh, it's a lot of work though. Jordan, you know that. You're you're an editor, so it's uh man, you edit for a living. It's hard to come home <laughs> you know, and do the same thing again, huh? People people don't don't they never understand until you do it just how much work truly goes in, especially to video production. Audio production, of course, too, but video production in particular, you know? Um and in fact saying that I'm like even like a point underexposed. I'm just gonna like change that. <laughs> Boom, beautiful. <laughs> well, praise be to God. I'm glad you're here, Jordan. And uh sorry for the uh, technical troubles this morning. It's just there's a lot of stuff happened today. What's that? What's that law? Murphy's law. If it can happen, yeah. it will happen. Yeah. So everything, everything went bad today. One of the computers that's very was, fitting uh, since not it's St. Patty's Day, isn't it? <laughs> Murphy's law. Oh, that's true. Yes, McMurphy. Mm-hmm. He mm-hmm. was. Uh, that was a guy from uh, One Flew of the Cuckoo's Nest, right? I think so. That sounds right. Murphy. Chat can <laughs> chat can correct us. <laughs> uh, St. Patrick. Uh, I I hope one day to return to Ireland. Sometime soon, maybe in the summer, who knows? We're trying to figure mm. that out, but uh, it's tough to travel with children, so we're not really sure how that's going to work out. But I would love to go back there. One of the things that uh, that I did do when I was there last time, I got to see most of Northern Ireland, and uh, it turns out that nobody really knows where St. Patrick is buried. Mm. And uh, there are some people who say that he's buried at a particular church, which happens to be a Protestant church, which is actually really sad if you think about it. As he came over, he was a great Catholic saint. Brought Catholicism to to Ireland and, and many. Would more. that be Would that be a church that like is built Protestant, or would that be once a Catholic church that the Protestants have taken? I I believe it was Catholic, and then it was taken over. Like most of the churches were taken over by the Church right. of England, and you can tell they have the red door 
So, um, yeah, it was one of those. But we got to see it. Supposedly he's there. And then there's stories that he's on an island somewhere else off of Ireland. So who knows? Well, who's buried, who's buried in Grant's tomb? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, who knows? I don't know. Right. We won't know this side of heaven. But uh, coming up next, we have your saint and gospel of the day and a fantastic good news story followed by our game show, Fear and Trembling. And prizes are at stake. We, we found a, we uncovered a dubious plot, very dubious plot, of somebody counterfeiting the coffee cup of divine providence. And we thought, look, this is outrageous. We should just destroy all of these counterfeit cups. But then we thought, you know, there's a lot of CDT listeners that I'm sure would like to have one of these replicas. So we're going to call them replicas. And one of those is at stake this week, along with a prize pack that we're putting together. It features prayer cards and a, uh, an interesting book. So if you'd like to participate in the game show Fear and Trembling, that happens right after uh, the 15 past the hour. And uh, do me a favor. There's a lot to manage here today. So if you want to call ahead, stay on hold. You're welcome to do that. The number here is 1-877-757-9424. Or if you missed it, you can always go on to our website, grnonline.com slash cdt. Scroll down till you'll see the phone number. And just call and stay on hold. And uh, we'll get to you as soon as we get to a break. The number again is 1-877-757-9424. And I want to give a very special shout out to our friend Colin. Colin, thank you so much for participating in our Catholic Drive Time Lenten campaign for this year. You are offering to fast and pray today for the most ardent blasphemers and heretics. In case you missed it in the first hour, I mentioned, you know, back in my day, I'm not such an old timer, but back in my day, <laughs> I used to be a blasphemer. It was something that I picked up from the culture. And uh, it's, it's a really sticky thing. Everybody does it. There's no regard for the holy name of Jesus. So I thank you, brother, for offering to pray and fast today. You can do that too. Just offer offer your, your prayer and fasting today. It's not too late. And unite our, yourself to our Lenten campaign. Uh, let's uh, dive right in here. Uh, I'm going to pray the Golden Arrow, which is part of our campaign, as I mentioned. Golden Arrow prayer in reparation for blasphemies. And for the conversion of sinners, the most hardened hearts, maybe in our families and our friend groups and all over the world. Let's dive in. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. May the most holy, most sacred, most adorable, most incomprehensible, and unutterable name of God be always praised, blessed, loved, adored, and glorified in heaven, on earth, and under the earth by all the creatures of God and by the sacred heart of our Lord Jesus Christ. In the most holy sacrament of the altar, amen. And now we're going to jump right into your good news segment. This is coming out from Epic Times. And the article's headline is, Doing Things Right. Loving dad of two shovels snow for neighbors every time it snows. Jordan, I, I'm sure you would appreciate somebody doing this for you since it's snowing in, in Colorado this morning. Kindness is a choice of the will. A husband and father from Wilmington, Delaware, habitually chooses to demonstrate kindness to those around him. And while he doesn't do it to be recognized, his big-hearted service does not go unnoticed. Every time it snows, which can be quite often in Delaware winters, Brian Dingen shovels his driveway and walkway. He doesn't stop there, however. Without fail, Brian, who works as a manager in the food industry, 
can be seen carrying a shovel from home, from his home to the next, and then to the next, shoveling his neighbor's snow-covered driveways and walkways as well. He doesn't do it for recognition, his wife Holly Dingen says. He doesn't do it for money. He just does it because he's a good human. It seems that shoveling snowy driveways is not where Brian's kindness ends, though. His adoring wife describes him as a truly good-hearted person who prides himself on doing things, doing things right if they're worth doing. That is so true. And helping people is worth doing. Holly says that her husband is the first to lend his time and hand when someone needs help moving. He's thoughtful and proactive about the needs and family of family members, and he's quick to bestow a ceaseless stream of selfless gestures, big and small. She recounts how he has helped her mother take down Christmas ornaments on New Year's Day or help family members find items they need. And in her blog, Mommy Dingin Diaries, the admiring wife even recounts a time when her husband protected a Walgreens employee from a thief by holding him against the wall until police arrived, because it was the right thing to do. Not least, Brian is a loving husband and an exemplary father for two humorous, empathetic, and intelligent boys aged seven and two. I feel proud and honored to be married to such a wonderful person. He's exactly who I want our boys to look up to as the man of the house. He embodies love and respect. And just as Holly has hoped, the couple's young boys are already emulating the unassuming kindness and service that Brian exemplifies. Our main goal as parents is to raise good human beings. The only way to do that efficiently is efficiently is to be good human beings ourselves, Holly told the Epic Times. Coming up next, we have the Gospel of the Day. Hang tight. The saint of the day is St. Ambrose of Alexandria. Ambrose of Alexandria was born before 212 AD and was a friend of the Christian theologian Origen. Ambrose was attracted by Origen's fame as a teacher and visited the Catechetical School of Alexandria in 212. At first a Gnostic Valenician and Marsonius, Ambrose through Origen's teachings eventually rejected this theology and became Origen's constant companion and he was ordained deacon. He plied Origen with questions and urged him to write his commentaries on the books of the Bible. And as a wealthy nobleman and courtier, he provided his teacher with books for his studies and secretaries to lighten the labor of composition. He suffered during the persecution under the Roman Emperor Maximus Thrax in 235, and he was later released and died a confessor. The last mention of Ambrose in the historical record is in Origen's Contra Celsum, which the latter wrote as a, at the, solici the solicitation of Ambrose. I promise I can speak. Origen often speaks of Ambrose affectionately as a man of education with excellent literary and scholarly taste. All of Origen's works written after 218 are dedicated to Ambrose, including his On Martyrdom Contra Celsum 
commentary on St. John's Gospel, and on prayer. Ambrose's letters to Origen, praised by Jerome, are lost, although parts of one still exist. St. Ambrose of Alexandria, pray for us. Praise be to God in all things. The gospel today comes to us from Luke chapter 16, verses 19 through 31. Jesus said to the Pharisees, There was a rich man who dressed in purple garments and fine linen and dined sumptuously each day. And lying at his door was a poor man named Lazarus, covered with sores, who would gladly have eaten his fill of the scraps that fell from the rich man's table. Dogs even used to come and lick his sores. When the poor man died, he was carried away by angels to the bosom of Abraham. The rich man also died and was buried. And from the netherworld, where he was in torment, he raised his eyes and saw Abraham far off and Lazarus at his side. He cried out, Father Abraham, have pity on me. Send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am suffering torment in these flames. Abraham replied, My child, remember that you received what was good during your lifetime, while Lazarus likewise received what was bad. But now he is comforted here, whereas you are tormented. Moreover, between us and you, a great chasm is established to prevent anyone from crossing who might wish to go from our side to yours or from your side to ours. He said, Then I beg you, Father, send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, so that, they may that he may warn them, lest they too come to this place of torment. But Abraham replied, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. He said, Oh no, Father Abraham, but if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. Then Abraham said, If they will not listen to Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded if someone should rise from the dead. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. St. Gregory the Great said, The hearts of the wicked are sometimes by their own punishment taught the exercise of charity, but in vain, so that they indeed have an especial love to their own, who, while attached to their sins, did not love themselves. Close quote, Gregory the Great, pray for us. What does he mean? Well, if you're going to live in sin, attached to your worldly desires, your disordered passions, well, you're going to learn the, the, this gift to this lesson of charity the hard way, the wrong way because your attachments will put you in torment, right? Well, if a person comes back from the dead, would that convince us? Hadock commented on this a lot today. It was fascinating. St. Christopher replied, they would say that the dead man was a phantom, that his resurrection was not real, his assertions nugatory. I mean, after all, the actual real Lazarus did die in the tomb for four days, caused quite a stench when they removed the stone, and our Lord raised him, and what happened? The Jews tried to kill him. The Pharisees plotted to kill him. Were they converted by this witness from the dead? No, they were not converted. They tried to go the other way. And then when Christ came out of the tomb, what happened? They spread lies and rumors that the apostles stole away the body. We have been given the revelation. We have been told by, by Moses, the prophets, and the church herself. It's time to listen. Let's listen. We'll be right back.
Are there any basic rules for doing apologetics? 1 Peter 3.15 says, Always be prepared to make a defense. Always be prepared, Scripture tells us. How can we always be prepared to make a defense of our faith? Rule number one, pray. Pray to the Holy Spirit that He give you the courage to share your faith and the wisdom to choose your words carefully and profitably. Rule number two, you don't have to know everything right now. Learn a little bit more about your faith each and every day. Read scripture, read the catechism, listen to apologetics tapes, listen to Catholic radio. Learn a little bit at a time. Rule number three, Luke 5 verse 10, do not be afraid, henceforth you will be catching men. Jesus said this to Peter, but he's also saying it to us. Will you make mistakes and get into tight spots when you start sharing your faith with others? Yes, of course you will. But Peter made mistakes and he got into tight spots. Yet Jesus told Peter not to be afraid. Why? Because if we are sincere in our desire to share the truth with others, to share Jesus Christ with others, then Jesus will find a way to make good come from even our mistakes. Rule number four, always view a question about your faith or even an attack on your faith as an opportunity, an opportunity to share the truth. Rule number five, don't get frustrated. Catholics often get frustrated by what I call the doctrinal dance. You get asked about purgatory, Mary, the Pope, the sacraments, all in rapid fire succession. Before you can answer one question, you're asked another, then another. Just keep bringing the discussion back to one topic until you've said all you want to say, then move on. Rule number six, never be afraid to say, I don't know when asked a question about your faith. Don't try to wing it. However, always follow I don't know with, but I will find out and get back to you and make sure you do. A beacon of truth in a troubled world. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. (laughs) The Catholic Trivia Game Show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. And now your host, Joe McClain. Christus Vinci, Christus Regnat, Christus Imperat. Good morning, everybody. Thank you for bearing with me today. I'm joined with my friend Jordan Pacheco. Jordan, can you hear me? Huh. Weird. Okay, let's try this. Jordan, can you hear me? Yes. Yes. Excellent. Hello, hello. Oh, but now I hear an echo. Hmm. Hmm. Well, that's peculiar. I apologize for that, my friends. But it's time to play our game show. And as I mentioned, prizes are at stake. And this week, we are sponsoring the game show, Catholic Drive Time. Catholic Drive Time is sponsoring the game show. We just recently uncovered, as I mentioned, a devious plot. It was very devious. We had to go through many channels to investigate this, but we found a plot to counterfeit the coffee cup of divine providence. It was a sin that cries to heaven. So instead of destroying them, we thought, hey... You know, we'll give them out to our friends. You can win one. You're going to be so alert, let me tell you. Looking from the left and then to the right, being so alert once you drink your coffee, your morning brew from your trusty CDT mug. Heck, we're even going to autograph it for you. And we're going to draw that prize tomorrow. But here's some game rules. I'm pretty sure most people know how to play this game, but I'll explain it to you anyway. I'm going to ask a question. And typically, there's other people in the room, so the format's a little different today. I'm going to ask a question. 
And then I'm going to provide you an answer. And then Jordan is going to provide you another answer. But you, dear listener, I believe Monica is on the line, you're going to have to pick either me or Jordan. One of us is tricking you. One of us is correct. And the winning answer puts you into the coffee cup of divine providence to give you more chances when we draw tomorrow on Friday. So let's see. Let's get Monica online here. Do, 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 do. Here we go. Bear with me here. How exciting. Let's get it. <laughs> oh, computer, what are you doing? <laughs> Let's see. Good morning, Monica. Hello. Monica, Good can morning. you hear us? Good morning. Hello. Praise be to God. Thanks for I'm calling here. this morning. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for calling this morning. Good. Staying well, on the line. You're doing great. Oh, thank you. I, you can't <laughs> tell on the camera, but I'm sweating. I'm sweating oh. so so many buttons. I, I could tell on the camera. Oh, if can that makes you? It. Dang it. <laughs> Dang, nab it. All right, it's time to play. Monica, did you hear the explanation of how to play the game show? I sure did. Then you are a veteran. You absolutely know that probably Jordan is trickier than I am. Wow, how dare you? <laughs> is, that a, is that a fair assessment? I think so. So you let's would. begin. Oh, we'll see. Okay. Let's see here. Okay, Monica, what is the name of the soldier who pierced Christ's side? I'm going to say it was a, a man that I, I think is in my headcanon. I'm going to say Saint Longinus. He's not, uh, maybe he's not a saint, but Longinus is my answer. Jordan, what say you? That's pretty good. Monica, we, we should be friends. After all, I work at the Augustine Institute, so St. Monica, right? St. Augustine. Oh, yeah, um, actually, true. Jen and I just watched Risen, so it's actually St. Claudius, my dude. St. Claudius. And Monica, you should go with that answer. Okay. Well, I'm saying Longinus, Monica. Honestly, I'm I'm the most honest person that I know. Oh, my gosh. And, and Jordan is saying... Jordan, what was your answer? Jordan. St. Claudius. St. Claudius. St. Claudius. Monica, who do you say is correct? Well, let me think here. I think I'm going to go with, with Jordan. Are you sure? No. Are you? No? <laughs> are, are you? Do you want to go with? Is that your I'll final answer? You. Okay. There we go. <laughs> Praise God. So that puts you in for the cup. Now, another question for you, Monica. When does the blessing of the new fire occur? The new fire is, I think it's part of, uh, part of the beginning of Easter, possibly, maybe the end of Lent. So I'm gonna say it starts on Holy Saturday. Jordan, what say you? That's interesting. Um, and most people I think would probably think that. Actually, it, it's, it's Holy Thursday that that does it this is why holy thursday is really significant obviously in the history of the church fascinating what else takes place on holy thursday uh well you can eat meat that day <laughs> <laughs> hmm yeah i suppose you could huh monica here are the answers my answer is holy saturday jordan's answer is holy thursday and 
he puts in a clause. You can eat meat on that day. What's so why you? they bless a fire so you can cook the meat, obviously. So true, King. So true. Monica, what say you? <laughs> I'm typically pretty good at these, so I'm kind of feeling bad because I really should know this. So, if I have to guess, because I really shouldn't have to guess, but <laughs> I'm going to go with hmm, Holy Saturday. Holy Saturday, that's it. Good work. Woo! Hit the wrong wow. button there. Boom. Excellent. You're in for two. Oh, gee. Where are you doing? You're in for two. Now, the third question is, it's quite difficult. So, I hope you're sitting down. This question is quite hard. Monica, who is the father of the Virgin Mary? I'm going to say his name is uh, Jim. That was his name, Jim. Not much known about him in the uh, in the scriptures, but uh, just his name, Jim. Yeah, Jim is his name. Jim I'm trying Father. to figure out his last name, but you know it's in Hebrew, so I can't remember what it is. Yeah, it's but it was yeah. it was Jim. Totally Jordan, obscure. what say you? Yeah, I mean, dang, Jim's pretty compelling. Uh, now I think it could be you could say it two ways, maybe Joachim or Joachim. That huh. reference is the same person. That's actually my middle name. So I'm going to go with Joachim or, or Joachim, however you want to say it. Same person. Joachim. Okay. Well, Monica, Jordan says Joachim or Joachim versus me who says his name is Jim. Monica, what say you? It's Joachim. Jordan. Really? Are you sure? Yes. Huh. Really? Huh. That's correct. It is completely <laughs> oh, true. Good work, Monica. Monica, thank you so much <laughs> for playing. You are in for three. That gives you really good chances because it's you and tomorrow's contestant that gets to play. So you're pretty much in, It's a 50-50 chance at this point for Ooh, you man. to get the coffee cup of divine providence Monica, tell me, what kind of drink do you do you drink in the morning? Do you are you a coffee person or a tea person? So I I am a coffee person. I did give it up for Lent, Ooh. so I would yes. How's that going for you? The uh, Lenten resolution there. Mm. It's been a lot harder than I thought it was going to be. Wow! But I've had to drink a lot more water. One so. of our dear CDT insiders yesterday mentioned that drinking a cup of a uh, glass of cold water in the morning just does the same thing. Is that true? Have you tried that? I have. It seems to, to it, it works. I just have to go run and go get another glass of water and then just <laughs> pray on it. <laughs> we have another CDT insider who says that she can drink an entire coffee pot before going to bed wow. and it, it makes no difference to her. That's who'd want who'd want to challenge that. That's My amazing. <laughs> I would love to be able to do that because <laughs> if I have just one cup of coffee, I'm I'm like hitting the walls and mm -hmm. climbing over everything and climbing on the ceiling and stuff like that. That's crazy. <laughs> Monica, thank you so much for playing with us today. And you're, you're a part welcome. of you the guys are doing great. Oh thank you so much. We appreciate that. It's uh, it's a lot of work to to figure out all of this. I'm sure you can get used to it at, at, at a certain point. Um, Joe was telling me that the the old school radio guys they did everything. They were their own producers. They had all their their stuff set up here. Mm. It works out really well when it works out, doesn't it? 
<laughs> Monica, you're also a CDT insider. How do you like our new Telegram uh, personal chat for the CDT insiders? It's really great. It's really great to see some some of the um, some me- the messages pop up during the day. So it um, it, it it's if you haven't signed up and enrolled and you know signed up for some of the messages, please do so. I highly 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 encourage you to do so. Praise God. Well, we're coming up on a break here, and uh, really, it's the end of our show for the day. But if you want to stick around on our social feeds, we hang out on YouTube, Rumble, Odyssey, Facebook, pretty much all of the different uh, social media feeds, even LinkedIn. But if you'd like to tune in, maybe you're just getting to work, tune into our social media feeds. We're going to stick around for about 30 minutes. Jordan and I are going to do an after show where we Mm -hmm. just kind of loosen up our ties, let our hair down a little bit. And uh, we talk about all kinds of different things, but you can drive the conversation. So join us on any of those podcast feeds, uh, YouTube, uh, Odyssey, Rumble, any of those places. Jump in, join the chat, drive the after show conversation. We look forward to seeing you there. Praise God. Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. The Guadalupe Radio Network now brings you the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass from the chapel at Our Lady of Corpus Christi in Corpus Christi, Texas. Welcome to the Holy Mass at Our Lady of Corpus Christi Chapel. Today we celebrate the commemoration of St. Patrick. The intention for today's Mass is for all of our online viewers and for those joining us through Guadalupe Radio. The glory of these forty days we celebrate with songs of praise for Christ by whom all things were made himself has fasted and has prayed. Alone and fasting, Moses saw the loving God who gave the Lord. And to Elijah fasting came the steeds and chariots of flame. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And with your spirit. Brothers and sisters, let us call to mind our sins and so prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries. I confess to To Almighty Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have have greatly sinned in my my thoughts and in my my words. words. In what What I have have done, in what what I have have failed failed to do, through through my fault, through my fault, 
through my most grievous fault. Therefore I ask the Blessed Mary, ever-Virgin, all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Kyrie eleison. Kyrie eleison. Christe eleison. Christe eleison. Kyrie eleison. Kyrie let us pray. O God, who chose the Bishop St. Patrick to preach your glory to the peoples of Ireland, grant through his merits and intercession that those who glory in the name of Christian may never cease to proclaim your wondrous deeds to all. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. A reading from the book of the prophet Jeremiah. Thus says the Lord, Cursed is a man who trusts in human beings, who seeks his strength in flesh, whose heart turns away from the Lord. He is like a barren bush in the desert that enjoys no change of season, but stands in a lava waste, a salt and empty earth. Blessed is a man who trusts in the Lord, whose hope is in the Lord. He is like a tree planted beside the waters that stretches out its roots to the stream. It fears not the heat when it comes, its leaves stay green. In the year of drought it shows no distress, but still bears fruit. More torturous than all else is the human heart, beyond remedy, who can understand it? I, the Lord, alone probe the mind and test the heart, to reward everyone according to his ways according to the merits of his deeds. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Blessed are they who hope in the Lord. Blessed, Blessed are, are they, they who hope, hope in the Lord. Blessed the man who follows not the counsel of the wicked, nor walks in the way of sinners, nor sits in the company of the insolent, but delights in the law of the Lord and meditates on his law day and night. Blessed are they who hope in the Lord. He is like a tree planted near running water that yields its fruit in due season and whose leaves never fade. Whatever he does prospers. Blessed are they who hope in the Lord. Not so the wicked, not so. They are like chaff which the wind drives away. For the Lord watches over the way of the just, but the way of the wicked vanishes. Blessed are they who hope in the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ, King of endless glory. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ, King of endless glory. Blessed are they who have kept the word with a generous heart, 
and yield a harvest through perseverance. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ, King of endless glory. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus said to the Pharisees, There was a rich man who dressed in purple garments and fine linen, and dined sumptuously each day. And lying at his door was a poor man named Lazarus, covered with sores, who would gladly have eaten his fill of the scraps that fell from the rich man's table. Dogs even used to come and lick his sores. When the poor man died, he was carried away by angels to the bosom of Abraham. The rich man also died and was buried, and from the nether world, where he was in torment, he raised his eyes and saw Abraham far off, and Lazarus at his side. And he cried out, Father Abraham, have pity on me. Send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am suffering torment in these flames. Abraham replied, My child, Remember that you received what was good during your lifetime, while Lazarus likewise received what was bad. But now he is comforted here, whereas you are tormented. Moreover, between us and you a great chasm is established to prevent anyone from crossing who might wish to go from our side to yours, or from your side to ours. He said, Then I beg you, Father, Send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, so that he may warn them, lest they too come to this place of torment. But Abraham replied, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. He said, O oh no, Father Abraham, but if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. Then Abraham said, if they will not listen to Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded if someone should rise from the dead. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. This morning's first reading and gospel go together like hand in glove. The first reading from the book of the prophet Jeremiah really kind of establishes the theoretical condition of the man who trusts in human beings and seeks his strength in the flesh, in contrast to the blessedness of the man who trusts fully in the Lord and seeks his reward from him. Uh, today's gospel, in a way, provides us with a very concrete example of what that looks like in the life of the rich man and Lazarus. It's interesting to contrast how the rich man and Lazarus are remembered. In the first place, we can see in today's gospel that the rich man is not named. Uh, he does not have a name as far as we are concerned. And the reason for that is his face is ultimately his wealth and his possessions. This is what he's made his life about. And his first concern is really with having and possessing and with his own well-being. And in doing so, he forgets about God, he forgets about his neighbor, and therefore he also loses his own identity of what it means to live in a relationship with God 
and therefore in relationship with the rest of God's creation, including his prized possession of other human beings. And therefore, his name is not remembered because he himself chose to live according to what he had in his possessions rather than living in relationship. The rich man for us is a stark reminder of complacency, comfortness, and a worldliness that can settle in when we enjoy prosperity and the finer things of life and forget that whatever resources we have been blessed with, we are always called to be mindful of our neighbor and to have our eyes open to people who are in need around us. Lazarus, on the other hand, uh, has no possessions. He's not concerned with having because he doesn't have anything. He only has his existence. He is just focused on being and he is totally dependent from that perspective. It's interesting here in the Diocese of Corpus Christi we've been doing our synodal consultations and one of the very interesting ones that we had was down at the Mother Teresa shelter with some of the homeless people. And it's very striking in their synodal consultation how really their primary focus was merely day-to-day -day living, trying to get by, focused on the present moment, and thinking of how God was going to be able to get them through the day. It's very much a reminder of, of how Lazarus lived, of really just focused on being, focused on his relationship with God, and recognizing that he is in a position of total dependence upon him. That too for us is a reminder that we too are called to live always in the present moment, to recognize it as a gift of God to us, and called to live always rooted in the reality of our relationship with Him, and from our relationship with Him, in relationship therefore with the rest of creation as well. We sometimes hear in life, in passing, you'll hear people say, you know, as long as you have your health, then you're doing pretty well and everything is good. But today's readings remind us to say, as long as you have charity in your heart, then everything else is going to be okay. The most important thing about our life, it isn't our wealth, it isn't our health, it isn't our personal possessions, material well-being, but rather it is the charity of God that we are called to have living in our heart and that gets manifested through our works and through our deeds. Today's Gospel also highlights for us the urgency that the way we live in this life creates a definitive decision of where we will be for all eternity and reminds us that we should take the acceptable time, we should take the time that we are given on this earth to live divine charity, to live in relationship with God and to make sure that we are always mindful of our brother's welfare and that we would be reaching out to those who are in need around us. And so, my brothers and sisters, as we go forward today, let us ask God for the grace that we would never focus our life merely on having and possessing, but that we would always live in the reality of our existence as dependent creatures upon our relationship with God, and that we would always seek and strive to have divine charity living alive and well in our hearts and manifested through our words and deeds. Amen.
We should pour forth prayers at all times, dear brothers and sisters. But above all, in these days of Lent, we ought to watch more intently with Christ and direct our petitions more fervently to God. For the whole Christian people, that in this sacred time they may be more abundantly nourished by every word that comes from the mouth of God, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. For the whole world, that in lasting tranquility and peace our days may truly become the acceptable time of grace and salvation, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. For sinners and the neglectful, that in this time of reconciliation they may return to Christ, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. For ourselves, that God may at last stir up in our hearts aversion for our sins, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. And for those intentions that we hold in our heart, we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. Grant, we pray, O Lord, that your people may turn to you with all their heart, so that whatever they dare to ask in fitting prayer they may receive by your mercy through Christ our Lord. Amen. Change my heart, O God, make it ever true. Change my heart, O God, may I be like you. Change my heart, O God, make it ever true. Change my heart, O God, may I be like you. Change my heart, O God, make it ever true. Change my heart, O God, May I be like you. Change my heart, O oh God. Make it ever true. Change my heart, O oh God. May I be like you. May I be like you. Pray, brethren, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father. May the Lord accept the sacrifice at your hands for the praise and glory of his name, for our good and good of all his holy church. Look with favor, Lord, upon the sacrificial gifts we offer you, and by this holy exchange undo the bonds of our sins through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Lift up your heart. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and just. It is truly right and just, our duty and our salvation. Always and everywhere to give you thanks. Lord, Holy Father, Almighty and Eternal God, for you have given your children a sacred time for the renewing and purifying of their hearts, that freed from disordered affections, they may so deal with the things of this passing world as to hold rather to the things that eternally endure. And so with all the angels and saints, we praise you as without end we acclaim. 
Sanctus, Sanctus, Sanctus Dominus Deus Sabaoth, Plenis Uncelietera, Gloria Tua, Hosanna in excelsis, Benedictus, qui venit in nomine Domini, Hosanna in excelsis. You are indeed holy, O Lord, the fount of all holiness. Make holy, therefore, these gifts we pray by sending down your Spirit upon them like the dewfall, so that they may become for us the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. At the time he was betrayed and entered willingly into his passion, he took bread and, giving thanks, broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and eat of it, for this is my body which will be given up for you. In a similar way, when supper was ended, he took the chalice and once more giving thanks, he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and drink from it, for this is the chalice of my blood, the blood of the new and eternal covenant which will be poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in memory of me. The mystery of faith, we proclaim your death, O Lord, and profess your resurrection until you come again. Therefore, as we celebrate the memorial of his death and resurrection, we offer you, Lord, the bread of life and the chalice of salvation, giving thanks that you've held us worthy to be in your presence and minister to you. Humbly we pray that partaking of the body and blood of Christ, we may be gathered into one by the Holy Spirit. Remember, Lord, your church spread throughout the world, and bring her to the fullness of charity, together with Francis, our Pope, and Michael, our Bishop, and all the clergy. Remember also our brothers and sisters who have fallen asleep in the hope of the resurrection, and all who have died in your mercy. Welcome them into the light of your face. Have mercy on us all, we pray, that with the blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of God, with blessed Joseph, her spouse, with the blessed apostles and all the saints who have pleased you throughout the ages, we may merit to be co-heirs to eternal life and may praise and glorify you through your Son, Jesus Christ. Through him and with him and in him, O God, Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit. All glory and honor is yours forever and ever. Amen. Precepti salutaribis moniti, et divina institutione formati, audemus dicere, Pater Qui es in celis, sanctificetur nomen tuum, adveniat regnum tuum, 
Fiat voluntas tua, sicut in cielo et in terra, pane nostrum quotidianum, da nobis hodie, et imite nobis debita nostra, sicut et nos dimitimus, debitoribus nostris, et ne nos inducas in tentationem, sed libera nos amalum. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil, graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress, as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Lord Jesus Christ, who said to your apostles, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Look not on our sins, but on the faith of your church, and graciously grant her peace and unity in accordance with your will, who live and reign forever and ever. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you always. And with your spirit. Let us offer each other the sign of peace. peace. On you stay, quitolis peccatamundi, miserere nobis. On you stay, quitolis peccatamundi, Miserere nobis, on you stay, quitolis peccatamundi, dona nobis pacem. Behold the Lamb of God, behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those called to the supper of the Lamb. Lord, I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof, but only say the word and my soul shall be healed. An act of spiritual communion. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you are already there, and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. Be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart. All else be not to me, save that thou art. Thou my best thought, by day or by night. Waking or sleeping, Thy presence, my light. 
Be thou my wisdom, and thou my true word. I ever with thee, and thou with me, Lord. Thou my great Father, thine own may I be. Thou in me dwelling, and I one with thee. High King of heaven, when victory is won, may I reach heaven's joys, bright heaven's sun. Heart of my heart, whatever befall, still be my vision, O ruler of all. Let us pray. Grant we pray, O Lord our God, that what you have given us as the pledge of immortality may work for our eternal salvation through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Bestow upon your servants, Lord, abundance of grace and protection. Amen. Grant fullness of fraternal charity and make them always devoted to you through Christ our Lord. Amen. Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go and announce the gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Lift high the cross, the love of Christ proclaim, till all the world adore his sacred name. Come, brethren, follow where our captain trod, our king victorious, Christ the Son of God. Lift high the cross, the love of Christ broke. The prayer to St. Michael. St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world seeking the ruins of souls. Amen. Prayer of Deliverance Almighty God and Father, we beg Thee through the intercession and help of the Archangels St. Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and death. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every thought of suicide and abortion. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every form of sinful sexuality. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every division in our family and every harmful friendship. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every sort of spell, malefice, witchcraft, and every form of the occult. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. Thou who said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, grant that through the intercession of the Virgin Mary, we may be liberated from every demonic influence and enjoy 
thy peace always. In the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. Spreading the splendor of truth. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Production of